Well, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Anti Up. I'm Howard Bender. No Adam Ronis tonight. That's right. Ronis is in a fantasy baseball draft as we speak, the Greenwich Street Tavern League. So high stakes for him. He's got to focus. He's got to pay attention. So we went to the bullpen. And what do we got in the bullpen here? Nothing but love. Colby Conway, ladies and gentlemen. You guys know him from FantasyAlarm.com. He does the spring training pitchers blog. He does baseball. He does football. Does everything for us over there at the uh, at the the man. I mean, podcast too, right? You're uh, you and the and Greg Jewett do the uh, the baseball podcast. Yep, yep. I'm mixed in relief every now and again. It all depends. If, you know, Matt Sells is involved, and you know we're. We're in there every now and again, but yep, a lot of pro- player profiles for the baseball season. We got the, you know, keeping tabs on arms here in spring training. There's, there's been a lot. There's been a lot to say the least in the spring training thing from players falling down and hurting elbows. We have players trying to rob home runs and unnecessarily hurting their shoulders. The spring, spring training never seems to, well, not disappoint. No, it, it always, well, I don't know. Last couple of days have definitely been disappointing. No, no doubt about that with the injury news uh, that we're getting. Um, and yeah, listen, if you guys have that fantasy baseball draft guide over at Fantasy Alarm, Colby Conway banging on those uh, those player profiles, him and Greg Jewett. The work is phenomenal. If you don't have the draft guide, go there. Get it right now. Fantasyalarm.com slash MLB draft guide. Use the promo code Conway. Get yourself 40 percent off. I got to tell you, all these player profiles are worth the price of admission right there. And then you get everything else. So what more could you possibly want? So uh, Colby's filling in here. Figured it would be a good time to talk some spring training since he is doing that blog. And I mean, let's uh, let's let's get to it here. Where do you want to start? I mean, you want to you want to start with the pitching since you've been doing that blog or you want to start with the injuries that are making us all bang our heads against the wall? Yeah, we'll start with, well, I guess we might as well start with the injuries. Let's get the bad out of the way first. Um, I'll kind of just rapid fire here through a couple. The one that really hurts the most is Zach Gallon. That one stinks a lot of people. He was a very trendy second starter, or if you were going to wait for an ace, he was the guy that a lot of people were leaning on. I believe he hurt his elbow. Actually, it was hitting, so if you want to look for some optimism in that moving forward it wasn't throwing induced so you know there shouldn't be hopefully any lingering concerns after that um that one definitely hurt one that hurt as well is the robbie ray injury just falling down and hurting his elbow because he looked damn good uh this spring it's kind of been this thing with robbie ray he he does just enough to entice you that you can't quite quit him and then you know once you have him we get what we've always gotten with Robbie Ray. And it's like, oh, here we go again. I did it again. But this spring, he's looked really good. Um, the strikeouts have been there. The walks have been down, at least for his standards. Um, and he's he's generating a lot of whiffs. So hopefully this elbow isn't too big of a deal. It seems like he kind of just bumped it. So they're going to take it easy here. And, you know, it's March 24th. He's, there's no need to push him out there. Making one more spring start before, you know, the season, it's not – essential for a veteran like him with how many innings he's logged on that left arm of his. But as long as he's good, he's an arm. I love to target later in drafts. Now he's only getting his ADP is going up a little bit, which kind of stinks because they're catching on to this spring. But I'll tell you what, he's looked damn good this spring. And I'm, I'm 
<laughs> I said he does just enough to bring you back in. I'm I'm back in on Robbie Ray. I'll I'll buy, especially in the late round. He's he's practically free. He's getting a little less free, but he's still you can get him for you know pennies, maybe even nickels on the dollar. You know, in the in the middle of your whole description of Robbie Ray, I thought we were all of a sudden talking Byron Buxton again. <laughs> yeah, it's I I don't want to say he's quite. I don't think his upside is quite to the point of where Byron Buxton's is. Um, but if you want to make that parallel, I I probably can't deny you on that one. Well, you just said, you know, and for those of you who don't know, the, in the uh, MLB draft guide, we do player debates. And Colby and I did a debate on Byron Buxton. And and it was like it was like that kind of that same thing, man. It was like, you know, you just you, you, you can't quit him. The upside, the promise you want, you want, you want. And then he never delivers on it. He never delivers on it. And so you are, you're a very tolerant person, Colby. Uh, you're a very patient man, I'm getting, right? Uh, that's, that's what they say. That's what they say. And sometimes it's, you know, they say, they say patience is a virtue. And we'll see, if it, we'll see if it pans out in 2021. I got a good feeling. Your fiance is a very lucky woman because this kind of patience and this kind of tolerance probably goes a long way especially when you're dealing with like house decorations and stuff like that. Sorry. That's, that's the, that's the guy who's been married, you know, with the same broad for like 20 odd years already here. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just trying to, you know, endow you with some words of wisdom. Yeah. You, you better not be so amenable all the time. That's all right. <laughs> I, I know, I know where the, I know where to draw the line and where, you know, if you only get a couple of things where you get to call your shots, you make the most of them. All right. Well, so five, six years on Byron Buxton and about three, four years here on Robbie Ray. We'll see that. You know, I'll tell you the Zach Gallon news that really bummed me out, dude. So so I picked up Gallon for nineteen dollars in the labor NL auction. And, you know, that was I mean, I, he's my second. He was my number two starter. I also have you Darvish. Right. But with Gallon, like, here's the problem is that I'm really worried that, you know, the first conversation is, oh, he's hurt and we've got to shut him down for a little while. Right. Uh, and that to me is like the first of three conversations leading up to he's done for the season. So the first conversation is, oh, we've got, you know, we're going to shut him down. The second conversation is all about recovering from a, a fracture in your forearm, obviously a stress fracture in your forearm, you know, something that, that, that didn't that shut down Corey Kluber all of last year, granted gallons younger than Kluber was when it happened, but you know, is there some similarity here? Yeah, I think you could probably make that um, parallel. I guess the one thing that's kind of interesting um, with what the Diamondbacks are saying, like I'm looking at a recent tweet of theirs, and they're saying that he's going to be able to continue playing catch at a low stress level while recovering. What exactly that means, maybe they're dolling it up a little bit, and it's like, yeah, he can play catch. He's just going to be you know, catching for the someone who's throwing next to him. Um, the fact that he's doing any sort of throwing at all, even in a very controlled, limited, no more than like, I don't know, 37 miles an hour in that sort of capacity, I would say there's some optimism there. I, I still think we truly don't know how long he's going to be out, which is kind of the frustrating part. And I wrote about it in the, the spring training blog. Like I, you take a look over at some of the NFBC drafts, you look at his draft trends, the image I put there in the article, you see it's kind of right around his ADP. And then you got two dots through the roof. 
So there are a couple drafts where people are avoiding, avoiding, avoiding at all costs. And if you're risk averse, I get it because we don't really know the, it's kind of Murphy's law. You draft someone and you're like, well, you know, we're waiting on some injury news. It might not be too bad. You draft them, you know what happens the next day. They're out much longer than you'd expect. Um, so we'll have to see kind of how it pans out. There hasn't been much word about it yet. And unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get much clarification. Um, believe it or not, teams aren't as inclined to be very uh, forthcoming with information regarding injury with players. I guess they don't, you know, I think Craig Castle said about one of his, uh, I think the fifth starter in the Freddie Peralta and the, the Lindbaum debate is that he's like, for you fantasy baseballers out there, I'm not going to name a starter. So Teams aren't very forthcoming with that information, much to our, you know, demise, chagrin. I guess you could say. Yes, yeah, that's that's the word, chagrin. All right. Um, if you were doing a draft, let's say you're doing a draft uh tonight, right? Mm-hmm. Where where would you where would you take if you if you were gonna take Zach Gallon, like what round would you look to take him in? Because I mean you're talking about he was he was going in like the fifth and sixth round of of most drafts. Yeah, so for me. Probably, I I would not draft him really anywhere near like his current ADP. So looking at NFBC, he's going pick 42. So definitely not taking him there. There's too many arms behind him that I like, including my probably my two favorite arms come right around that same point. So I'm probably fading Gallon at least for a little bit. If I was drafting him as my SP2, I won't draft him right oh, now. You can't, you, know, you, can't, you, can't, you can't draft him as your SP2 right now. No, no, I would, I know more than an SP3, just there's too much. I'm, I'm comfortable taking the risk there as a second starter. I can't do it right now. Not until I get more information, which again, I don't think I'm going to get. So, all right, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about pitchers. You, because I'm, I'm curious as to what round I dropped them on the, uh, on the ultimate cheat sheet, um, you know, to a certain level. And I'm curious as to. Uh, where you and I are, you know, on, on seeing this, if you're drafting, uh, tonight, would you take Patrick Corbin or Zach Gallon? I was drafting tonight, you know, looking at some of the ADPs, to be honest, I'm probably going to go gallon over Corbin. I do like Corbin to bounce back this season. Uh, but what gallon can do if healthy, a little bit more. I tend to be a little bit more risk averse or risk risky with pitchers. So I would take Gallon over Corbin. All right. Um, would you do Jose Barrios or Zach Gallon? Oh, I'm all, <laughs> Barrios is one of my draft crushes this year. And it's something about the Minnesota Twins. They I'm all in on their arms all the time. So definitely taking definitely taking Jose without a doubt. All right, so I have Jose Barrios in the seventh round of the cheat sheet. And that's, you know, I mean, listen, he's, you know, it's like right in that, you know, Granky, Wheeler, Ryu, Hendricks, that whole, you know, kind of thing. Ian Anderson, that's that's kind of where I'm, I'm looking at him. Um, you know, I have Patrick Corbin in the eighth. So if like you're a 12 team league, you're still you're that confident in, that this injury for Zach Gallon. Um, means that you could take him, let's just say, the eighth or ninth round. You'd be fine with that? With the information I have now, I would. I would I would take that risk. The guy is a sub-three career ERA. I, 
it's weird because it's very interesting. So I guess the way my mind works here is it's interesting since it didn't happen pitching. I'm almost more optimistic, but it's kind of weird for me to say, you know, he has a hairline stress fracture from hitting, so I'm not really concerned about it. But if it was for pitching, I'd be uber concerned about it. It's it's kind of a weird dynamic. But yes, in the eighth round, I would still be comfortable taking down with the information I have right now. Again, I tend to be a little bit more risky with certain yeah, selections. Dude. So I think that I think that's playing into it here. That is that you that's a pair of brass ones right there. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. A lot more risky. I dropped them down to the 16th round. Uh, you know, where like Carlos Carrasco is, you know, and figured, you know, we know Carrasco's out four to six weeks with the torn hammy. Um, you know, until I get more word on Gallon, I just, you know, I, I, you know, I'm much more averse to the risk there. Uh, if I'm one of my top 10 picks, the last thing I want to do is be like, oh yeah, yeah, this dude with the uh, stress fracture in his arm, you know? Like I definitely need more information on that. I'm I'm a chicken shit, dude. I'm a total chicken shit. I take Lance McCullers Jr. over him. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, McCuller. Read the blog. I I believe I mentioned something about McCullers somewhere along the way, but he looks good. He's, I think he's got a new. It's either a new pitch or a wrinkle on an existing pitch, and he looks good. And he's a rich man now. He is. Uh, just signed a five-year, $85 million contract extension. Uh, he was on the Fantasy Alarm show on SiriusXM mm-hmm. yesterday, actually, as he was in, in the midst of negotiations uh, on that, too. So, um, But, yeah, he, um, he actually, he's, uh, the cutter is new-ish. He's got a new wrinkle on that. Um, but the curveball is just... The cur- his curve is just ridiculous. And, you know, one of the things that I'm hearing from a lot of the GMs and, and managers and players, um, you know, thankfully we have Jim Bowden, like giving us, getting us all this info, the, the seams, the raised seams on the, uh, on the baseball, they're a little thicker. They're a little higher up. They're a little raised a little bit more and it's giving these guys a, a better grip. They're able to dig in a little bit more, um, and that's, you know, it's really helping on the breaking stuff for them. Uh, and that was one of the things that McCullers actually said. He said, you know, with the way the seams are, he's like, he's noticing that he's got some new hot spots on his fingers, you know, like blistering hot spots. But he's like, not enough to, to do any damage or keep me out. But, you know, so you can just the, the, the bottom line is, is that this ball is definitely different from what they've been using the last couple of seasons. Um so I think that that's uh, that's an interesting thing. It's one of the reasons why I was so high on Gallon, right? Like you know, coming into the season, I I was all in on this dude, and now I'm like I'm freaking out. I just you know, starting off behind the eight ball like that, you know, like when your season's right about to start, and you just you know, in an NL only, you lose your number two star. There's nothing on the waiver wire. There's nothing on the waiver wire in a mono league. Yeah, and Blake Snell said the same thing two weeks ago. Um, put that in the blog as well. He noticed that the laces um, were thicker, and he even he went as far as say he's like he can dig in. Um, his, he can dig in more, and it's allowing him to throw breaking balls easier and better. And we've kind of seen it here. And one thing with writing all those player profiles, I'm noticing, especially older starters and relievers, is fastball usage is going down, and they're mixing all the stuff that moves like a frisbee. That stuff's getting more and you know more heavily used 
I wouldn't be surprised to see more pitchers continue this, especially if they see going into the season a little bit like, hey, I'm getting more movement here. You know, this is I'm having more effect. You know, I'm being more effective with these certain pitches. Don't be surprised if some of these guys come out and just really kind of flip their arsenal on its head. And they come out here instead of going 60-40 with a fastball slider, they come out now 60-40 with, you know, weighing towards um, that slider. If they can create more movement on it and they can miss bats, why would you throw something else that you're not going to be as effective with? So that's something interesting. I'll be really curious to see as the year goes on if that trend um, obviously continues, but if it's also almost blown up to a whole new extent because of the new ball. So out of all the profiles that you've done, all the work that you've done on the pitchers blog, who are some of the pitchers that, you know, maybe you weren't really onto them now, but now that you've, you know, all of this stuff about the seams and the grips and everything that you've gone through with your analysis, uh, some of those names who are, uh, who are kind of turning you on a little bit more than before. Yeah. So coming into the drafts, um, like draft season, I was kind of, I was iffy on Kenta Maeda in Minnesota. I know he had a very good year. I think he finished second um, in Cy Young voting the year before. Um, but I looked at 2020, and that was obviously a different ball then. But he's, I mean, his fastball, give it give it like two or three more years, he might not throw it at all. Looking here, you know, it's, I think it was under, let's say it was under 20% that he threw it in 2020 back. And he used to have it up at 40% back in 2018. He's relying on the slider. He's throwing the changeup. Those two are going through the roof. He's got a sinker that he's mixing in. I think he's going to start using that more, um, almost as kind of his regular fastball, if you will. I've become all in on Kenta Maeda. He, I can see him winning Cy Young this season. I, I believe I put him in the bold prediction as my AL Cy Young winner. Um, in leagues that I don't get some of the top guys, I'm waiting and I'm actually going to I'm going to, I'm going to take the risk and make Maeda my fantasy team's ace. Um, he's one I'm bullish on this year. And he kind of follows that, you know, screw the fastball. I'm throwing the other stuff. Obviously Clayton Kershaw is doing the same type thing. He's been doing it for a while now as he's getting a little bit older. Um, he's relying on the other stuff to really kind of carry him through. Um, and then reliever, an interesting thing. And I've been watching this all spring, trying to see if I can figure out what the hell they're going to do. Um, again, we're going to stay in Minnesota just because it's happened to work out. But this whole Taylor Rogers versus Alex Colomay, you can throw um, Robles in there if you want, but he's not going to – he'll get maybe a couple save opportunities throughout the year. It's Rogers versus Colomay. Those two are going for it. I'm trying to figure out who's going to get the lion's share of the opportunities. Their ADPs are within like 15 or 20 picks of each other. And when you look at a guy like Rogers in 2020 – his he goes sinker slider primarily and he kind of lost a little bit in terms of swing and miss on both of his pitches lost some ground ball rates or a lot more fly balls and such but i think he's one we saw it in recent memory where he can be flat out dominant now colome has a pretty lengthy track record of being pretty notorious for accruing a lot of saves minnesota obviously brought him in so we'll have to see what they do there but that's that's one of the more in interesting closer dilemmas for fantasy baseball other than like other teams where it really doesn't matter who closes for them. Like who closes for the Pittsburgh pirates, probably Richard Rodriguez, but he'll be lucky if he gets three <laughs> save opportunities all year. Oh, um, rich, poor guy. Come yeah. 
I mean, honestly, Pittsburgh's hoping he can get two or three saves before the deadline because then they can trade him for another prospect we won't hear about. And they'll just continue this never-ending rebuild, which is at least they're trying to sign Cabrian Hayes. Will they do it? Nope. He's probably smart enough to be like, you know, if I just do really well, they'll trade me and I can get the hell out of here. <laughs> it's Yeah, if you're a Pirates fan, I'm sorry. It's rough. Yeah. I mean, listen, um, they've got to be embarrassed with the team that they're putting on the field right there. It's, it's definitely terrible. It's definitely terrible. But meanwhile, you know, everybody's like, you know, as far as you're, you know, picking off of this team uh, for fantasy purposes, I mean, everybody's all in on Cabrian Hayes. It doesn't matter how crappy the, the surrounding lineup is. Um, everybody's, you know, pushing all in on him still. Yeah, he has the makings of a star. Um, he is just, I don't know how to say it other than he's flat out good. Um, he's going to be a guy for them. And you look at it too, like last year, what did we see last year? Five bombs, 11 RBIs, you know, nine walks, hit 376. Obviously a little inflated, only playing 24 games um, in the season, but all of his batted ball metrics look great. A lot of line drives would love to see him kind of eat into that ground ball rate from last year. And then what is he doing this spring? You know, he's just hitting 432, only four strikeouts and 40 plate appearances, just two stolen bases. It, it pains me to say this, but he's too good to be in Pittsburgh. It, I, I don't know if that's why he's not signed the deal. I don't know if he's not getting enough money, but he is way too good to be wasted there. Yeah, well, they'll, they'll you know, they'll waste him there. They yeah, really that's, will. I mean, how many, it, we've seen a ton of players go, go, you know, just go down to die there in Pittsburgh. But who knows? Who knows? You want to talk about a team that's just, oh, my God, so far off. Um, it is definitely them. All right. Um, you know what? I sort of speaking of Pittsburgh because it's his old team. Where do you stand on everybody's darling Joe Musgrove? Uh, that's I love. I I love that sound. That that actually is music (laughs) to my ears. Thank you. Yeah, I I get it. I get the allure. I get it. I really do. He's you know he's obviously going to a. I think I'm putting this too lightly by saying he's going to a better situation. I don't think I can emphasize how much of a better situation he's going to. Um, His ADP is just one that I'm struggling to kind of get behind. Um, I understand he's got a good slider. He's one that's probably going to continue to rely on the non-fastball stuff and just work with some of his other offerings. I, I just don't see it. Like I'm looking at some NFBC data and, you know, minimum pick of pick 79 I, I don't see with him. You got McCullers right around there. Would rather have him. Yep. You know, Kenley Jansen, if you want saves. I mean, look below him. Sixto Sanchez, I'm probably taking him. Kevin Gosman, I'm probably going to take Musgrove over Gosman. I'm out on him, but read the article. Definitely taking Corbin over him. Sandy Alcantara is about 15-ish picks after, and he's a guy I'm all in on. If you if you want to talk about, you look at any one of my teams, Maeda, Alcantara, there are two starters on those teams. Um, yeah, I don't see it with Musgrove this year. I get it. He's in a good spot. He'll get a lot of cheap wins and he'll probably make up for all the wins he lost out pitching for in Pittsburgh, but I I can't get behind it at that price. He's not an arm I'm targeting. Okay. All right. So give it to me now. All right. Maeda Alcantara, no Musgrove. Thank you. Um, who else is, uh, who, who is littering your fantasy teams right now? Who else? Um, are we sticking with pitchers or are we going across the board? Yeah, you, uh, you listen, you know what? 
dealer's choice here, right? That's it's just the way it goes here on Annie Up. There's no there's no formal show plan. Adam and I just wing it most of the time here. Yesterday we just you know ended up half an hour on bullpens and closers. So uh, whatever you want to do, you want to talk hitters? Let's talk hitters too. Yeah. So obviously, Maeda. Yeah. Well, I mean that's a given. <laughs> we don't have to say that. I mean, not to waste my breath. Everyone knows that, but definitely Maeda. I'm all in on Alcantara. Loving what I'm seeing um, in the spring. A hitter. I I talk so much about batted ball profiles and how I love to go off that. And then when it comes to a guy I draft who might have the worst batted ball profile, he's another one I can't quit. Victor Robles. I his body oh, yeah. is back. His body is back where it needs to be. Fortunately, that that back issue he had doesn't seem too major. Um, it seems like Washington is giving him every opportunity to hit at the top of the line because that's think about it. When he was a prospect, that's what we were tantalized with. It was always going to be, well, when he was still there with like Harper, it was going to be Robles, Turner, Harper, or some variation there at the top of the order. I think they're forcing their hand. He is going to. The struggles last year are parlayed to his body. He he tried to bulk up. It's not what he should have done. That you know, and even after the season, the manager they sent him to winter ball said he like, yeah, he needs to get adjusted to playing at the weight, which is basically like, hey, you should probably lose the weight. Just get back to where you were. We'll be good. Um, he's back. He looks great this spring. He's a guy you want to talk about. Twenty twenty guys going outside of the top hundred and thirty ish picks, all in on Robles. I'll push him up. Um, I'm happy with it. And then two. Two utility guys I'll even give you here. I usually end up with one or the other, um, but I like them both. Uh, Fran Reyes and Jorge Soler like the power upside there. Um, I think Soler has a chance to get outfield eligibility depending on your league settings. Um, and if he can get to the outfield, that only helps because drafting utility only guys is such a buzzkill because you set your lineup and it's like, well, it's do or die in this spot. So that's the only thing that kind of stinks with them. So those are kind of my biggest draft crushes heading in. Um, the drafts here, even though I think I only have about one more draft left. Um, I think I got three left here. You had me at Victor Robles. I am a hundred percent all in on Victor Robles. I am. Listen, I, I think, I mean, the hit tool is definitely there. It's always been there uh, for a lot of 2020. I'm really, I mean, I, you know, I'm not discounting it completely, but I would have to say that I maybe believe in like, anywhere from eight to 10% of what I saw in 2020. I, I, you know, like, I'm not sure about Randy or Rosarina. I'm not going to buy into that, but I'm not also going to buy into the crap season that, that Robles had. And he looks great this spring. Winter ball was fantastic for him. Um, and, he, and he's hitting on top of that lineup. Like it's going to be, um, what is it? The, uh, the, the batting order for Washington is going to be, uh, Robles, uh, then Juan Soto, then Trey Turner, then, uh, then Josh Bell, right? I mean, you're telling me that Robles is not going to steal a ton of bags, uh, at the top of that order. You're telling me that Robles is not going to score a boatload of runs. I love, 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 love Robles. I like Big boy Fran Mill, he's got to just, just pay attention to the fucking COVID protocols, dude. Like, why can't, like, what the, what is wrong with you, right? Like, you know, you're feeling me right on this, right? Like, how is it, like, 
we're almost through it. All you have to do is wear a stupid mask and just, you know, abide by a curfew just for a little while. I'm not saying you got to do this for the rest of your life. Just for a little while, please. But no, big boy Fran Mill, he's like, you know, he's still out partying like he's like a like an 18 year old kid. Yeah, it's it. I guess that's the thing with Reyes. It's it's kind of. What do we see with his batter ball profile? When he makes contact, boy, is it a sight to see. Oh, and yeah. well, when he doesn't, you know, it's not. And it seems like it's like that off the field when he, you know, follows the rules. Everything's good, but every now and then, lapse of concentration. And I think Cle- Cleveland had an issue this off season too. I think Plesac was involved. Like, yeah, I don't know, I don't get it. But you give me, you give me a full season with Reyes. I, he's he is legitimately one of a few a few players that could lead the league in home runs. There's a lot of guys who hit a lot of home runs. There's a very select few that can actually lead the league in that category. He is definitely one of them. Yeah, he is. And yeah, last year it was Plesak and Clevenger, right? They, uh, and, and Fran Mill, like, you know, it was, it was the three of them last year. Like they sent Fran Mill home last season, like at the right beginning of the season, they were like, get the fuck out of here, go home. Uh, and then, yeah, this spring it was Fran Mill again. Um, it was probably Plesak too. I didn't, I don't, you know, recall that, but you know, would I put it past him? No. Cause whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so there, yeah. I mean, I think, I think Kansas City's a bit of a sleeper team. Adam and I have been t- kind of talking about that. I think he's a little bit more bullish on, on the overall team than I am, but like, I like the move for Ben and Tendy. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Carlos Santana in the middle of that lineup. I think that, you know, Soler, as long as he keeps those whiffs down, I think that he's, uh, you know, definitely a, a, a player there. I would have I would have preferred to have seen Bobby Witt Jr. than mm. Nicky Lopez. But, you know, whatever. I mean, beggars can't be choosers, right? <laughs> that's what they say. That's what the, that's what they tell me, Colby. Uh, that's that's right. what they tell me. <laughs> um, any other uh, fantasy baseball <laughs> secrets you want to divulge to the world? I mean, kind of tip my hand a little bit, but just don't leave your draft without Byron Buxton. That's pretty much that's my biggest piece of well, advice. Now you're just now you're just being hurtful to me. Come on, now now you're just now you're just dogging. Now you're dogging the boss, dude. Come on. No, hey. listen. I told you, I've, I've got three drafts coming up. Right, they're all snake drafts, Colby. I guarantee you, I leave one of them with Buxton because I got him cheap enough. The only problem with that is it's in that situation. It's it's just two less than what it should be. <laughs> oh my god all right now one of the things that uh that i'm also excited to talk with colby about here and obviously guys again if you don't follow him on twitter at colby r conway you're making a huge mistake if you're not reading the player profiles if you're not reading the content you're not listening to the podcast then you're just you're doing yourself a disservice because um, you know, absolutely one of my favorites. Don't tell anybody else from the, uh, from the, te- the team here, but you are definitely always been one of my favorites, Colby. Um, and, and I think the work is absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. First rate. You guys got to check it out for sure. Uh, before we get to another reason why I'm glad Colby is here, uh, which is football related Colby Conway, total Texans Homer. Want to talk to him about trade possibilities here with me and my New York Jets but got to keep the uh got to keep the lights on in the offices so let me give a shout out to our 
uh, our sponsor, Monkey Knife Fight, the DFS site you guys should be playing on. And here's why. Do you like to play daily fantasy sports? Then you need to check out monkeyknifefight.com. Monkeyknifefight.com is the fastest growing daily fantasy site in the world because monkeyknifefight.com is different than the other daily fantasy sites. That's because on monkeyknifefight.com, there are no salary caps and you don't have to play against sharks, which means anyone has a chance at winning, even you, Adam, even you. Uh, monkeyknifefight.com has tons of fun daily contests in all the sports you love. Baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, NASCAR, WNBA, and eSports too. Monkey Knife Fight has it all. You know what else monkeyknifefight.com has? How about a free $5 game for you for just for signing up? And if you use the promo code ANTIUP, one word, A-N-T-E-U-P, you will have your first deposit matched instantly up to 50 bucks. With a name like monkeyknifefight.com, you can be pretty certain you know what you're going to be getting when you sign up to play. Monkeys and knives and fights and sports. Sign up and play today at monkeyknifefight.com. Play play MKFing win. State and age restrictions apply. See site for full terms and restrictions. So that's how we uh, pay the bills. All right, Colby. Let's talk a little football here before we get on out. You know, I mean, listen, the Deshaun Watson stuff aside, yes, that's a nightmare, and we're still waiting to to hear what goes on. Um, I'm not taking any sides on that yet. You said to me already that you're not taking any sides on that. So we can push that aside for the time being. What we can talk about right now is why is Deshaun Watson not on my New York Jets right now? Like, they have the, the most draft capital. They could flip back Sam Darnold, who is still a quality quarterback. Um, I, I don't understand why we're not making a trade, Colby. It's a product of mismanagement, I would say, within the Houston organization. I It took me a little bit to come to grips kind of with everything. Um, after so many years of not having a quarterback um, and when the only quarterback you ever had was Matt Schaub, who in his own right was very good in Houston until the end, which was just a flurry of pick sixes. And it was kind of a rough end. But when that was the basically the pinnacle of your quarterbacking situation to have a guy like Watson come in, um, it was a lot of fun. It was fun to watch games. And, you know, we could actually score points kind of when Bill O'Brien didn't hold him back. Why they haven't traded him now is mind-boggling. I'm convinced as one of the biggest fans, I, I, do, I don't believe he ever puts that jersey on again. I'm at that point. I've come to grips with it. They say there's the seven stages of grief. We're, we're past that. I'm, I made my way through them all. Um, why he hasn't been traded yet is, is very confusing. The Jets have a great situation in which they can trade him to. Watson goes to a big market. Um, they have a coach that he wanted Houston to interview, which Houston couldn't even do that, which is just another issue of Cal McNair being whatever word you want to, whatever, whatever word you put there. The Jets make sense. I don't know if Watson wants to play in New York. All the reports come out are that it's San Fran and Denver. Houston just can't do that because you can't trade your top quarterback and get stuck at pick 15 or pick 20 and then have to use assets to move up to go get a guy. It's pretty much... Miami or New York that he likely gets traded to. I have a problem with him going to Miami. I know his buddy Will Fuller's there now. The only 
thing that I don't like about it is the optics because it basically looks like we are trading our franchise quarterback, or excuse me, our former franchise quarterback for the first round pick that was supposed to be ours anyway. So we're literally giving up our best asset to get the pick back from that we already gave to the Dolphins and a couple other ones in there. The only way I want him to go to Miami is if you give us a couple first round picks and we have to get Xavier Howard back just because that's what Houston needs. They need cornerback because I mean last year watching them was was an absolute disgrace like they would they would throw the ball and Vernon Hargraves wouldn't even be on the screen and then if the quarterback overthrew him Vernon Hargraves would be 15 yards away celebrating an incompletion like he did anything on the play so it it has to go to New York we have to take your first round picks and someone else maybe Quinn and Williams that would be awesome as a run stuffing D tackle but Honestly, it seems like the Jets, if I'm not mistaken, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure that they had a lot of people at, I think it was Trey Lance's workout, and then they were like, quote, sending the farm to go look at Zach Wilson, who's probably going to be the second overall pick. Yeah, which I got to be honest with you, man. I think that would be a huge mistake. I, I Listen, I'm, I'm not like, you know, gung-ho Sam Darnold, but give the freaking kid a, a, a chance here, right? To work in a system that actually caters to him. Like, you know, Robert Sala is going to bring over that that Shanahan-type system. He's going to do a lot of design rollouts. And, you know, if there's one thing that we saw Sam Darnold excel with is when he was rolling out. So um, he's got to learn to do it from both sides. Like, you know, I think he was very uh, rolling out right heavy. Um, I think it was, it might've been the left either way. It was one side more than the other. And, you know, I just, I, I want to give him a chance. I really do. You know, the, 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 the crazy thing with the whole, you know, does Deshaun Watson, you know, apparently it was said that Deshaun Watson was like, you know, he's like, I, I don't want to play in Miami or for New York because they don't have enough components for them to compete to win this year. And, you know, the funny thing is, is that that's not true about Miami. Like Mm -hmm. Miami's already got a great defense. They already have good receiving weapons, very good receiving weapons. Um, And they just, you know, they even just, you know, signed, who did they just bring in? They just brought in a wide receiver. They brought in Will Fuller. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they're Will Fuller. So, you know, you, you've got the weaponry there. Like, (laughs) <laughs> and maybe this is the conspiracy theorist in me. See, I all right. I don't want anybody to me to me or any nonsense like that. Like I said, I'll see the way everything kind of falls in the uh with with in in court and and let that happen. But knowing what I know about McNair, the owner, knowing what I know about Easterby, who has really entrenched himself over there. I mean, I really, I wouldn't have been surprised if this wasn't some sort of like a crazy character assassination kind of thing. And Deshaun Watson, even before it all came out, Deshaun Watson was like, I don't want to play here anymore. Much like DeAndre Hopkins said, I don't want to play here anymore. And and you need to trade me and demanded a trade, right? Like DeAndre Hopkins, the nicest guy in the world. He was supposed to be this phenomenal teammate, blah, blah, blah. He gets traded for David Johnson. and. All of a sudden, he's a club. He's a he's a locker room cancer, and he's divisive, and and you know he's not a good person. Like that's everything that they were saying about DeAndre Hopkins after he left. So you know, I kind of felt like you know one of those things where 
Watson was like, get me the hell out of here. I don't want to play for this organization anymore. Trade me. And, you know, and, and it started getting real ugly behind the scenes to the point where, you know, someone was like, all right, well, if you don't want to play here, we're going to ruin you and we're going to, you know, bring all this stuff up. And then he turned around and went public and was like, you know what? I don't want to play in Miami or New York anymore. And yeah. and and you just took away the two best possible deals Houston could make. Right? Like, I mean, I, I don't think Deshaun Watson suddenly said, screw New York or Miami. I think this was more of a screw you Texans. And I'm going to say that I don't want to play for these teams. And those are your best chances of rebuilding. Yes. And it's what kind of stinks in the whole thing. It all goes back to the, well, kind of the beginning of it all when Houston was supposed to bring in Omar Khan from Pittsburgh. That was supposed to be the GM until rumor has it. Easterby got the ear of McNair, basically told him not to. And next thing you know, out of the blue, Nick Casario is now the GM for the Houston Texans. And I think that's kind of where it all started. They didn't interview anyone that Deshaun wanted, which it's one of those things where like, even if you weren't going to hire him, can't you just interview the guy to appease the guy that you're paying like $188 billion to, who is the reason there's people in the, in the stands that I tweeted about it all during the time when come Sundays, people aren't there to see Cal McNair. They're not there to see uh, Jack. They're certainly, well, they might, be there this year to see Jack Easterby in a different way, but it's it's not a good look for them, and and it does stink too because believe it or not, sure they're signing. Houston has been incredibly active in free agency, signing a lot of guys to minimum deals. Nick Casario is having a really good offseason. He's done a lot of good things outside of the Watson situation, but restructured Laramie Tunsil's contract, restructured Whitney Merciless to get him out the door a year sooner, which is going to be amazing because he's bad now he's really bad he would be a good mentor for some of the younger guys but Casario's had a really good offseason uh there's a couple head scratchers in there but at this point they're trying to do as much of a rebuild as they can quickly they're signing a lot of people bringing in a lot of well they're bringing a lot of people to try to compete for jobs the only thing I'm very confused by is they restructured David Johnson's contract which is good they needed to do that then they signed Mark Ingram whatever you're gonna do the one-two punch and then they go and sign Philip Lindsay, who I know you weren't expecting him to be available, <laughs> but Lindsay, Lindsay's the best of those three guys. And it's yeah. one of those things where recent years, Houston has always had an expensive running back. Think back when Miami, Lamar Miller ran for the 90 yard touchdown run on him. Guess what happened next year? They signed Lamar Miller. So they had him on a pretty extensive deal. Then they bring in, oh, they trade for Duke Johnson for a third round pick, take on his contract. They take on David Johnson's contract. Now they restructure. It's like Houston thinks they have to pay the running back position. You don't have to. Now we have three guys that we're paying, you know, a lump sum of money. And really, Lindsey's the best of the three. And it sucks because we're not going to get to really exploit him for fantasy purposes this year because there's going to be just enough of David Johnson and a just, just enough of Mark Ingram because Easterby and McNair have to use David Johnson because they cannot admit they were wrong and that they got swindled for the Hopkins deal. That's they're doubling down on their mistake. That's that's all it comes down to. He's going to play because they can't they basically can't have it be a year after they traded DeAndre Hopkins for the second round pick, David Johnson, and now they don't even play David Johnson and that second round pick they took uh Ross I think they took Ross 
Ross uh, Blacklock, the D tackle, who Bill O'Brien had it out for, and Bill, Bill O'Brien's doghouse was not a place you wanted to be because once you got in there, you were never getting out. Just ask Kiki QT. Yeah, right. <laughs> and he was good. That's a shame that they buried him so long. Yes, he had some big fumbles here and there, but when he like last year when they actually let him play, it's the, the fact that he sat on the bench for so long. I get it. He had bad fumbles every now and again, but you can't tell me that he wasn't at least their fourth best receiver and that he was buried on the bench. It was the dictatorship was a rough time in Houston. It was a very rough time. <laughs> oh man. But we'll see. Hey, the Jets are making moves. If they if they send Watson there, you're in a good spot. And the tough thing too with like Watson what he you know doesn't want to go, you know, to some of those places, whoever gets them is gonna have to give up so much, you know, so many assets that their future is in turn going to be at least compromised a little bit in terms of bringing Watson. However, I get it. Denver's a team with a quarterback could be very, very good. A lot of weapons on offense, good enough defense, and they would be fine. Obviously, San Fran, Shanahan can take guys that are relative no names and boost them into stars. So we'll have to see what happens. And I don't think anything's going to happen at least until closer to the draft. And it's, I, it's teams are still interested in Watson amidst all of this, which I thought there might be some pushback, but it seems like they're still interested. Well, it kind of makes you wonder, right? Well, I mean, first of all, the NFL, I mean, you know, whatever. You know what? Never mind. It just makes you wonder. How about that? Because I'll say this again. I will wait until everything happens, you know, in the, in court. If, if Deshaun Watson is guilty, he's a scumbag. He's 100% a scumbag, and I won't. You know, make any bones about it. I won't defend him. I won't say anything like that. All I'm saying is right now, uh, this whole guilty before proven innocent does not jibe with me. And uh, and if he's not guilty, well, then then we've got a whole other conversation to to have there. If he is guilty, well, then I hope he you know just kind of rots away somewhere. Right? Fair enough. Is that is that okay, Colby? Am I am I allowed to say that? Yeah, I think it's I think it's fair. There's there's just there's so many missing pieces in this this whole puzzle that I who knows when the end's in sight. But yeah, it's it's the right move. You don't take a stance either way. Just kind of wait and see how the cookie crumbles. We, that's exactly what we're going to do. And that's going to do it for us here today on the Annie Up podcast. Again, big thanks to Colby Conway uh, for sharing the knowledge uh, for fantasy baseball, some insights with the Texans, all sorts of great stuff here. As always, again, Follow him on Twitter at Colby R. Conway, C-O-L-B-Y-R-C-O-N-W-A-Y. What's the R stand for, Colby? Middle name. Yeah, I, well, really, it stands for your middle name. What, what's your middle name? Robert Ray. Robbie, your middle name is Robbie Ray? I mean, when you shorten it. <laughs> It's all coming crystal clear now, sir. Here we go. Here we go. There's there's a lot of things at play. Colby Robert Ray Conway. (laughs) Got it. Right. Uh, You know, you can put Byron Buxton in parentheses for him over there as well. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's at the end of my signature. (laughs) Of course it is. Of course it is. Oh, and your pen just got hurt writing his name. Look at that. (laughs) No, it's, it's dirty. (laughs) thanks so much everybody for tuning in thank you so much colby conway for joining us here on the annie up podcast i'm howard bender and we'll catch you next time